Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Well, so before we jump in to our word today, I I just, I do want to remind you all, this is a sabbatical year for Aaron and I. I know we talked about this a lot already, uh, but we are, Aaron and I are taking off almost three months this year, but in three large chunks. Uh, That is because this is my 14th year of ministry, full-time, and and every seven years we take that extra time. It's this biblical concept of rest we we talked about a few weeks ago that just, I believe, is going to sustain us to minister for a long, long time, many, many years to come, hopefully. So we will be with you next week for the Freedom Alley birthday, which I'm super excited about. Uh, You'll see lots of old pictures of me, by the way. I'm just warning you right now. I'm like super little in all these old (laughs) pictures. Uh, But then you won't see us after that for about three Sundays. We'll be back at the end of May. Um, But we've got some great speakers for you lined up over the next month. Uh, My dad, Pastor Jerry, our founding pastor, will be here with us next week. And then uh, we have Pastor Isaiah's Sunday morning debut. I don't know where he went, but I'm excited about that. And then we have Evangelist Tim Bennett a lot of you know. And then a very good dear friend of ours, Rebecca Arnold. She's a a Harrisburg church planter. Uh, She actually grew up here at Freedom Valley, so it's sort of appropriate that she speaks around this birthday month. And uh, her family was just instrumental in planning this church all those years ago. So she'll be with us May 22nd. Super excited about that. And then we'll be back, okay? So yeah, that's that. Please pray for us while we're going. Um, pray that God refreshes and renews our souls and we get that that rest that we need to keep fighting this fight. Uh, it's my plan to do it for much, much longer, as long as God lets me, really. And so this break is really part of that. So I do hope you'll join us in prayer. Yes, okay. Made new. Made new. How many of you enjoyed Easter last week? Was it awesome? Didn't we have a great time together celebrating, too? It was a good week. Welcome back to all of you who are here for the first time on Easter and are back today. Thank you for joining us. We love Easter. We love celebrating Easter. It is an amazing thing Jesus did that he made everything new. His death and resurrection changed absolutely everything. And so this month we're going to continue to cover exactly how Jesus makes us new. Uh, Today we're actually going to look at one of those instances within his ministry that he made someone new and it's in the book of John so if you want to if you have your Bible with you today go ahead and open to John chapter 5 we're going to look at this very unique very interesting passage it's a very um well everything Jesus says and does is absolutely interesting and unique right but the way that he goes about this particular healing is just Fascinating. So we're going to dig into this today. We're going to start reading in John chapter 5, verse 1. Are you ready? That was underwhelming. Are you sure you're ready? Okay, that's better. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. 
One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. 38 years is a long time, y'all. 38 years he had been sick. When Jesus saw him, knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? I'm going to stop right there for just a second because does anybody else feel like this is kind of a rude question to this guy? Like he's been laying by this pool that supposedly has healing powers. Some versions of the Bible say that it was said that an angel would come down every once in a while and stir up this pool and it would bubble and the first one to get into it would be healed and everybody else, well, too bad, so sad, right? Would you like to get well? He's been laying by this pool for 38 years, Jesus. Seems like a rude question. Yes, obviously, I would like to get healed. I've been laying here for a reason, right? But the thing is, Jesus still asked. When God asks a question, does he need to know the answer? He knows the answer, right? God does not ever have a need to ask a question, but he does throughout the word a lot, actually. So, so when God asks a question, if he doesn't need to know the answer, who does? It's probably because we need to know the answer, right? We need to hear the answer out loud. See, in my personal prayer time, my time with God, I feel like God asks me questions a lot. In fact, I bet he asks me stuff more than he tells me stuff. I don't know if it's just me. I'm not saying this is across the board, but like when I read something in the Bible, I think to myself, yeah, that doesn't apply to me. Moving on, right? I get this little whisper in the back of my mind. Doesn't it? It's a question. Right? I'm praying for someone else and I think, thank God I'll never have to deal with that. Won't you? And I'm expressing an opinion. Usually it's an angry one. I'm angry about something. I'm praying about them. And God, how could you? Why would you let this happen? Or how could they? Whatever. Is it right for you to be angry about this? I get that question a lot. Is it right for you to be angry about this? Ever since I studied Jonah and God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this? He whispers it to my soul. I get questions a lot from God. <laughs> Is it right? Doesn't it? Won't it? Are you sure about that? And those questions are still and quiet. And they nag at me. Won't let me alone. They don't let me sleep at night sometimes. And people often talk about hearing from God like it's this big booming voice. It's this big moment. The heavens open and light pours down, right? We get knocked over the head with it, and I just don't get those. People say, how do you hear from God? I just, I never hear from God. Sure, it can be like that sometimes, but for me, it's never been like that. For me, it's those still, small moments. It's the little checks in my spirit that make me pause and think. It's the little questions that just don't let me sleep at night. They don't let me alone until I answer them. It's God giving me a curiosity about something. In the word, usually, or about the way the world works. God, why do you let this happen? And I just can't let it go until I have an answer. But the answer isn't for him. It's for me. When Jesus asks this man, would you like to get well? He's not asking for himself. He's not asking for Jesus' personal edification, right? 
He's asking so the man can hear the answer out loud. It's been 38 years of sickness. This man has adjusted fully to this lifestyle. Other people probably take care of him and bring him food. They help him get to family functions or just a bed at night. Someone has probably been taking care of this man in some way, shape, or form for a long time. Any career he has had or hoped to have had is out the window. Any hopes of having or taking care of a family is is probably long gone. He's been living this lifestyle for a long time. And he needed to hear that answer. But his answer is interesting, too. Because Jesus just asked him a yes or no question, right? A pretty simple one, I think. Would you like to get well? It's a yes or a no, right? Would you like to get well? And for me, the answer would probably be something like, uh, duh. But this man doesn't say duh. Would you like to get well? He doesn't say yes or no either, though. He says, I can't. Listen to his answer in verse 7. I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. I can't. Someone else always gets there. Now, did Jesus ask why he couldn't get better? He asked if he would like to get better. And his answer was, I can't because no one will help me. The helper of all helpers was standing right in front of him, and he was too busy finding excuses as to why he couldn't get better to see what he was being offered. We have our excuses, don't we? It's not just this guy 2,000 years ago laying by a pool. Right? It's we have so many excuses. Like, we think we want to be made new. We think we want to change. But in fact, we've created this whole identity about who we are now. And when it comes down to it, his answer actually reveals a lot about his thinking. He's still seeing his source incorrectly. Like, the pool isn't his source. And by source, I mean where his help comes from. He still has his eyes on that pool in front of him. That's the only way I'm going to get my healing. His whole identity was stuck in that pool. How do we always get stuck on what God creates rather than God himself? We get stuck on a particular way that God provides a particular way that God heals, a particular way, and we cannot see that God is so much bigger than just that way. We get stuck thinking that our source is our job, or our boss, maybe. That is the way that I take care of myself, take care of my family. That is my source of provision in life. And so we get all obsessed with the boss's mood that day, or whether or not the market's going to sustain our industry or whatever it is, we, we, we start thinking that is our source rather than thinking the God who created that job and gave it to you, right? Who's so much bigger, who knows all of the job openings in the whole world, much less Adams County, right? He knows exactly what you're meant to do and he wants better for you. But why not trust that he's got this, right? Your Your source is not your job. It's not your 
boss, it's not even your spouse. (laughs) Because God can easily find you a new job, just like he found you that one. Right? God can provide for you in ways you never thought possible. If you can just get your eyes off of the thing and onto the God who provided you that thing. This man couldn't get his eyes off the pool. Or maybe it's, it's healing for you, right? You think the doctors and the tests, they're the source of your health. And yes, doctors have wisdom and they can absolutely help, but they aren't your source. They may be a tool God is using to give you health. They're not the source of the health. They are not the provider, the healer, the comforter, the deliverer. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Nissi. That is the provider, the comforter, the healer, our everlasting father, our our presence in times of trouble, our tall tower, right? That is who he is. He is the source of all good things. Every good and perfect thing, the Bible says, comes from above. And yet, when God asks what we want, and he looks us in the eyes, and he asks us what we want, we're too busy telling him what we can't do, what is not an option. This man's vision was stuck on that pool. He thought that was the only way he was going to get healed, the only way he could get healed. Jesus came in and shattered all that. Jesus opened up his mind to the possibility that there could be another way, a higher way. The very words of Jesus did that. And the very words of Jesus healed this man. Verse 8, Jesus told him, stand up, Pick up your mat and walk. I like to think he said this with a little bit of an attitude. It's just personal preference. But like when I look somebody in the eyes and I say, would you like to get healed? And they start giving me excuses. I just want to prove that I can do it at that point. I don't know. I'm not Jesus. Definitely not perfect. That would be maybe a little bit of self-righteous. I don't know. It's probably not what he did. (laughs) Stand up, pick up your mat and walk for goodness sake. That's what I would have said. Instantly, the man was healed. How many words is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight words it took Jesus to heal this man. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. It didn't take getting into a pool. Nobody had to carry him. Jesus didn't say, angel, come on, let's get him in there. He just healed him. Instantly, the man was healed. That is the power of Jesus, and that is power that he can just command something physical in another person's body is an amazing thing. And and he wasn't just commanding the physical thing to be healed here. He was commanding the man to. You see the difference? Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I almost... I I feel like every time I say it, there's like a heat behind it. But I I think it was more of a gentle command and probably actuality. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. You've got this. Right? He was commanding the man to, listen, I don't want you to get stuck on this particular way that Jesus healed. Jesus' healings in the four Gospels that I can read almost never happen the same way twice. 
Don't get committed to the method here. But our healing very often, not always, but very often takes our participation. Right? There are times when, when other people carry you into the presence of Jesus or just talk to Jesus on your behalf. Right? We see these examples throughout the Gospels too. But very often, it takes our participation. I think the man had a choice here. I think he had a choice. And he could have second-guessed and overthought and decided just to take his chances with the pool rather than some random dude that walked up and asked him if he wanted to get healed. <laughs> right? He didn't know who Jesus was yet. This man chose to take a chance and to believe. And that belief made him get up. He got up. He stood up after 38 years laying on a mat beside a pool. He gets up. That's faith. The definition of faith right there. If you don't have get up and go faith, you may not have faith at all. Right? Faith is not just belief. It's not. Separate word for that. It's called belief. (laughs) Right? Faith is more than that. It's, it's belief that causes you to do something. Belief that forces you to act. Faith is an action word. In verse 9, he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So, of course, the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. Can you just can you imagine the audacity? Like saying to a man who hasn't who's literally rested for 38 years that he can't work, he can't carry his mat, he can't walk on the first day in 38 years that he actually can. Like, come on. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who are you gonna obey at that point, right? The people who are telling a man who just rested beside a pool for 38 years to rest on the day of his healing or the man who healed him. I see there, there's a higher power at play here. Jesus trumps religion. I'm just going to let that one sink in. Jesus trumps religion. I think a lot of us see them as the same thing. Jesus equals religion. Christianity is religion. Jesus trumps religion. He came to make it all new. He fulfilled the law and made it better, deepened it, fulfilled it. We're not bound to heavy burdens of religion anymore. We're not carrying the weight of all the tasks that keep us clean and subjugated. We're free. That is what Jesus did. And it all comes down to, if it comes down to, Serve religion or serve people. I can't think of one time throughout the Gospels that Jesus chose religion. He chose people every time. He does choose to serve his father rather than people, and there is a difference, right? But I can't think of one time in the Gospels that he chose empty religion over people. He ate with sinners. Priests didn't do that. Pharisees didn't do that. The teachers of religious law didn't do that. He hangs out with leprosy. I mean, he literally hugs them. He embraces people with leprosy. You weren't allowed to do that either. He feeds people that the Pharisees wouldn't 
lower themselves to even be around. He heals people, touches people, looks them in the eyes. He trumps, and then so many of his miracles were done on the Sabbath. So many of them. They hated all of it because they chose religion over people. Jesus didn't. The Sabbath in particular is one that he challenged a lot. And it's not that Jesus didn't rest. He absolutely did regularly. He rested in the presence of his father. He worked hard during those ministry years. Very hard. Have any of you seen The Chosen? I think it's the second season where you see Jesus healing person after person after person all day long. And he comes back to the camp and he's weary and broken. It's one of my favorite scenes. Jesus was a hard worker. He worked hard ministering to people. And he was working with an earthly body. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Fully God in a human body that got tired, broke down. He had to rest. But he also definitely didn't like the way the priests used the Sabbath as a tool of manipulation and control rather than the gift from heaven that it was meant to be. Jesus didn't use his power to just gain popularity and control. He used it to serve people. Verse 12, we still see them indignant about this miracle happening. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. Remember, that thing is the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. Do you always know a Pharisee by how they react to good news? Just a heads up, if you're new to church culture, I'm going to give you a little insight, okay? A Pharisee doesn't always react to good news well. If it's not specifically within their set of parameters, they will not be happy for you, no matter how great the miracle If they see you as less than, they're not going to be happy for your miracle. This man was free from pain and dysfunction and disease 38 years in the making, and they were mad. Right? It shows their heart. Like, this is why the New Testament teaches to weep with those who weep and laugh with those who laugh. Right? Celebrate with people who are celebrating. Sit with people in grief. Be willing and brave enough to enter into someone else's pain, not just heap on more shame. Willing and brave enough to rejoice with someone without thinking about what you do or do not have. Pharisees couldn't do it. It sounds like such a simple thing, but it really isn't when you have your priorities way out of whack. When religion is higher than God. Verse 14, but afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. I love that Jesus found him later. Jesus sought him out. He found him later. Like it just says so much about who Jesus is. He let him go off and celebrate, run through the streets for the first time in 38 years, but he found him later. Jesus makes us new, but he doesn't leave us there. It's not a once and done thing with Jesus. He doesn't just change you and then leave you, use you, and abuse you. He is a constant friend. 
a purposeful presence. He comes back and gives you advice on how to move forward. He sends his Holy Spirit to guide you and to prompt you. His word to, to light your path. His church to surround you and comfort you. And his presence to be there in times of trouble. He doesn't abandon us once he's changed us. He knows how best to proceed because he is God. Go and stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you, he said. Look, Jesus found him in his mess. He pulled him out of the mess by healing him. But he doesn't just leave him there. And he does the same for us today. And Jesus makes us new by finding us in our mess, pulling us out of our mess, and teaching us how to be free. He's a full-service God. Not a once-and-done, take-it-or-leave-it, not a one-trick pony. He doesn't just heal you and leave you. He also wants to teach you how to live free. Because there's more to living free than just being healed. Come on, that was good. There's more. It's a, it's a thinker. It's one you need to go home and think about as you're falling asleep tonight, right? There is more to living free than just being healed. This is, is something I think we're going to talk about when I get back from this first leg of sabbatical as well. Like living free. It's something that takes practice. It sounds lighthearted and carefree. It sounds easy. But it actually takes practice. It's not just about being free from rules. In actuality, rules give you the freedom to live free. A discipline causes you to be free long-term, whereas doing whatever we want only causes us to be free short-term and then in bondage long-term. In this man's case, he could have had his healing temporarily, or he could have it long-term. Jesus makes that clear. The choice is yours, right? You can have your freedom today, or you can have it long-term. He could choose to go back to a life of sin and something worse would happen to him. He'd only keep his healing temporarily. Or he could choose to live within God's rules for his life and keep his freedom long-term. Jesus made it clear. He made the road easy. The guy didn't have to second-guess for the rest of his life. He knew exactly what would happen. And the choice was his. I have seen this personally heartbreaking to see but I I knew someone, probably a few, but I'm thinking of one in particular as she was physically healed of cancer the tests all proved it, she had the proof in her hand, she went to a healing service an evangelist prayed and she was healed radically we actually have a testimony video of her proclaiming that healing, this was years ago she didn't change kept on drinking and smoking a pack a day and more than that she was bitter and this was from the inside out she she held on to that unforgiveness she was unwilling to change a thing and a year later that cancer was back and way worse and very quickly after we were doing a funeral service came back with a vengeance look I can't tell you how all this works. In fact, the healings of Jesus, they're hard to pin down. 
I tried once. I was preaching a healing message and I wanted to find like a, a step one, two, and three. God, help me see exactly how healing happens so I can preach it clearly. His deliverances and his healings are wildly different throughout the New Testament. One time, a bunch of friends carry their, their sick friend to Jesus for healing. Jesus forgives his sins and he was healed. One time, a woman just touched his cloak. Jesus didn't even say anything, and she was healed. One time, a father came to Jesus without the sick child and asked for healing, and it was done. child wasn't even present. Sometimes Jesus approaches someone, like in this case, calls them out of a crowd to heal them. And sometimes someone approaches Jesus. It didn't seem to be a formula to it. The one constant, though, is that Jesus healed. That he has the power to do so in whatever method he chooses. Jesus always seeks to make us new. He plucks us from our messes, helps us clean them up, and he teaches us how to live better. The thing is, our messes are unique to us. <laughs> and they're different complicated sometimes. This is why I think it's not just a blanket here's how to be healed. Sometimes it, it, it takes some unlearning of some things. Sometimes it takes learning some new things. Right? Sometimes it, it's a forgiveness of sin. Sometimes it's just a lifestyle change. Jesus knows. He loves you right where you're at. But he doesn't want to leave you there. See, we have a choice in this. Even after Jesus rescues us, we can choose to return to the mess. We can squander the blessings God has given us. And the secret that Jesus is trying to reveal here is that sometimes your mess can come back worse. There's some of us in here today at each stage. Some of us need to allow Jesus to rescue us. We need to say yes. Yes, I would like to get well. It's what we call salvation. It's that initial yes to Jesus. The I'm in, Jesus. I'll, I'll take it. I'm into following you. I'm into being clean in God's sight. I'm in. Some of us, we have said yes to Jesus, but we haven't allowed him to clean up our mess yet. Right? We're resisting the conviction. We're keeping Jesus at a distance. We're still at the excuses phase. All the excuses in, in the world as, as to why we can't be healed. We can't get saved. We can't serve other people. We, we, we can't be obedient yet. We haven't allowed Jesus in. And anytime he convicts us, we push him away because we're not ready to give up that thing yet. We keep holding on to that mat. Jesus has said, pick it up and walk. If that mat by the pool has been our safety net for so long, we can't imagine giving it up. can't imagine living without it. But Jesus said, that thing that you've been relying on for so long, it's meant to carry you, but you're going to start carrying it. Get up and walk. Take that thing along with you and start using it to help others because you don't need it anymore. A lot of the things that hold us back 
not inherently bad. Entertainment, it's not inherently bad, but we're addicted to our screens. Alcohol isn't inherently bad, but we use it as a mood stabilizer. When that's the job for Jesus. Right? We're now addicted to it instead of him. Sex isn't inherently bad. But instead of using it the way it's intended within a marriage to create trust and togetherness, we use it to feed our physical desires and it creates the opposite. And again, we're addicted. And we start to rely on it for certain pieces of our identity. And again, instead of Jesus, who's supposed to give us that, who can actually, truly give us that piece of our identity that needs fulfilled. We don't we don't need the things that we think we need, at least not in the way that we think we need them. Jesus wants to take it and, and get it under control. He, he usually says, hey, use them, but in the right way. Put them in their right place in your life. Use them in a healthy way. Maybe for some of us that means not at all for a period of time, at least. I have seen people lean into their infirmities lean into the sickness the disease, the disability like some of us we we strive and we struggle against it unwilling to let it control us, we believe for healing we strive for wholeness and health whatever it is we refuse to accept anything less than health and eventually I usually see those people get it one way or another it may take years sometimes they get that health eventually but I have also seen people lean into it I don't know if it's the attention that it gets them or the lazy life that it affords them but they enjoy having the excuse it feeds their selfishness and so they lean in and it does get worse don't go back to the mess Jesus wants to see you free wants to use you he has plans for your life You have gifts and talents within you that are made to serve other people. He wants to use you in this life, but when we're stuck in our mess, it's hard for God to use you like that in the selfishness. Some of us have have been free for a while and we've gone back to the mess. We were living right for a while, but we decided to go back. We, we chose to keep on sinning, even though we know it's wrong. We choose the selfish, selfish option every time it's available. And no one is looking. Jesus has a question for you today. Would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? Let Jesus clean it up today. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it's useful to teach us, to correct us, to guide us, to convict us a little bit when we need it. As we just reflect on this passage today, help us choose to see ourselves in that position that Jesus is looking us in the eye right now and asking us that question. God, let us really consider that answer. Would 
we like to get well with. It's a yes. God, let us jump in with both feet. Let us leave behind all of the, the mess, the selfishness, the sin that we've created in our lives. Help us understand that we don't need it anymore. That we can truly live free. That your way is actually better. That you created us and you know what's better for us than we know ourselves. God, if the answer is excuses, convict us on that too. Show us a better way. Heal us anyway. God, I just pray for grace. I love that you gave this man grace even in the middle of his excuses. Shower grace on us. Bring about healing and wholeness. Bring the miracles this year at Freedom Valley that we would see people get up and walk. Walk away from the mess. Walk away from the, the sickness, the disease, the debt, the marriage issues, the whatever it is in our lives that, that's holding us back, the, the financial mess we've made for ourselves. God, I just pray that you would set us free. Set us free, God. Let us be ready for that freedom. Let us walk into obedience what you've called us to. Make us new, God. With heads bowed and eyes still closed today. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And maybe you've never given your life to him before. And we call it saying, I'm in to Jesus. Choosing this life and this lifestyle of following him. here to tell you today that it's easier to follow Jesus. Our freedom is a good life, but it does mean following some rules short term to be free long term. Right? And understanding that Jesus has a better way for me. My way hasn't gotten me very far. It's created mess after mess in my life. Jesus has a better way and is choosing to live that way. Accepting the freedom that Jesus gives. We celebrated last week with him on the cross, paying the price for my sin and selfishness. He covered my shame and gave me freedom. And all I have to do now is say yes to that. Yes, I want forgiveness. Yes, I want to live my life for him. If that's you today and you're, you're in this room and you want to say, yes, I'm in, just raise your hand right where you're at. If you're watching online, you can text the number on the screen or type I'm in in the comments. Anybody like that here today, I'm in. I want to say yes to Jesus. Just raise that hand up high right where you are. Nasher's just going to come and give you a little card to help you with that decision. Yes to Jesus. There's a few more down here, guys. Thank you. Once you have that card, you can put your hand down. If you're in the room today, you've already said yes to Jesus. It's been a while, though. And some of those habits and behaviors, some things that you know you shouldn't be doing, have creeped back in. 
we've returned to the mess a little bit. Today, you just want to be free again. Repent just before God. Nobody's looking around, heads bowed, eyes are still closed, but you just want to say to God, I'm going to be free again. I'm choosing to live your way. I'm going to submit myself to your authority in my life and be obedient again. If that's you, I just want to give you an opportunity to say that before God. Would you raise your hand? I know there's some things I need to change. Some obedience. I need back in my life. Father, I just bless each and every hand raised this morning. Thank you for your truth. It's useful to light our path. Thank you for your word that it convicts us and gets us back on the right track. But most of all, God, thank you for making us new, for giving us freedom and hope, peace that passes all understanding, joy unspeakable, that you truly do want to make us new from the inside out. And it is a miracle that you do so. God, we accept it today. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. We're going to leave these doors today free, happy, whole, clicking our heels on the way out, and we're going to spread that love, peace, that happiness to our world this week. God, change us from the inside out. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. 